Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. The National Broadcasting Company presents... Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, paid in full. It is 7.45 p.m. August 18th, 1941. Nick Hubbard, a West Texas farmer, is seated at the dinner table with his wife, Min. But Hubbard is not eating. Instead, his attention is riveted on an advertisement in the newspaper before him. Will you stop staring at that thing and eat your supper, Nick? I ain't hungry. You've had your nose buried in them new car ads ever since you got the check for the cotton crop. Yeah. That lot of good it's doing you. We can't buy one. We couldn't if I didn't have to pay that Mexican for working on shares. You could have made the crop yourself if you wasn't so lazy. You want to shut up or do I have to fetch you a punch in the mouth? I didn't mean nothing, Nick. Now shut your trap and keep it shut. $1,100 for my cotton, and I've got to give half of it to that Mexican. Ain't nothing you can do about it, Nick. Don't you go telling me what I can do. Doc took him and his family in, and now fed them, let them live in a shack on my land. Seems to me that's enough for any man to do for him, eh? Worse as salt. Morales didn't chop enough cotton to make into a nightshirt. How can you say that, Nick? You got $1,100 out of his crop. Even half of that's more than you made before doing the work yourself. Ah. He knows you got the check, Nick. 
I can't stall him much longer. It's been three days now, and he's coming back again tonight. Reckon that's him now, Nick. Coming right up on the front porch like you own the place. You're busy with your dishes. I'll handle him. you want? Uh, Senor Hubbard, I, I come for my money uh, for the cotton. I told you I'd bring it to you when it come. I ain't got it yet. I can't give you what I ain't got. Uh, please, Senor, por favor, I, I don't like to bother you, but my wife, she's sick. We, we're going to have another baby. Look, and... I got troubles of my own, Morales. Senor Hubbard, I know you got the money. I asked the cotton buyer. He tell me that everybody is paid. You checking up on me, you stinking wetback. I am not a wetback, Senor. I do not sneak across the border. I am a good citizen of this country. Good citizen. <laughs> All right, come on in. Now, look. I'll tell you what I'll do, and it's better than you deserve. Yeah. Here's $50. We'll call it square, and you and your brute can get off my land by morning. No, senor. No. You don't give Jose Morales $50. I want my money, senor. All my money. You better pick that 50 up, Morales, because that's all you're going to get. Senor, if you do not give me the money, tomorrow I go to a lawyer in the town. Lawyer? Why, oh, no good lawyer, senor. Please, please let me go, senor. You're going to take that 50 and sign a paper right now. Please. Nick, what is it? You stay out of this, man. Me and Morales just made a deal. Where's that pencil and some paper? In the second shelf. I do not sign any paper, senor. Come back here, Morales. I go to the law, senor. You ain't going far. Nick, no. No, not the shotgun. Let go of me. Nick, you're crazy. Get back. Come back here, you stinking wet pack. No, no. All right, then. That brush ain't gonna cover you. Oh, Nick. Nick, what'd you do? Shut up, shut up, man. Nick. He's dead, Nick. What are you gonna do, Nick? Shut up, shut up. Shut up and let me think. Let me think. Uh, I gotta get him off the place. Help me lift him. Better get him off the place. I can't, Nick. I can't touch him. I can't. Help me, I said. Keep your mouth shut. Forever from now on, keep your mouth shut. Or I'll shut it like I shut his. The body of Jose Morales was discovered two days later by a field hand. It had been dumped in a thicket in rugged country near a path used as a shortcut to town. The sheriff was summoned, and he, in turn, asked for the help of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Good thing you were towing your horse trailer, Jace. Be a rough go on foot. The path looks like it gets plenty of use, though. Yeah, field hands use it for a shortcut to town when they're walking or mounted. Guess they figure three miles of this is better than eight miles of highway. The body's just up ahead. I rode down a ways to meet you when I heard your horse. You said something about somebody reporting Morales missing before the body was discovered. That's right. His wife came into my office yesterday and said he hadn't been home all night. Means he might have been killed the night before last. Uh, it seems that way. Oh, uh, here we are. Oh, boy. Oh, Charky. Uh, right in that thicket. Shotgun, huh? Yeah, got it behind the head and through his back. Heavy charge. 12 gauge, probably. He just like he was found? Yeah. Wasn't killed here, then. Not killed here. Why not? We're at the head of the body. 
That means he'd have been walking this way, through the thicket, when he was shot. And he'd fall forward on his face toward us. Mm, that's right. All right, now look at the thicket behind his feet. Direction he would have been coming from. What about it? It hasn't been disturbed. He couldn't walk through that thicket without breaking some of it down. Besides, he wouldn't be walking off the path. I see what you mean. He must have been on the path when he was shot then. Whoever gunned him carried the body over this way and dumped him into the thicket. Let's have a look at that path around here. Blood from his wounds should have left a mark someplace, a stain on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, nothing here. No sign of blood, no sign of the earth being scuffed over to hide it. No. Well, we're not going to find anything. Not around here. He'd been dumped when that wound was fresh. We'd have found something by now. He was brought in here after all the bleeding had stopped because somebody didn't want the body found where he was killed. Well, that means we've got to find out where. It's not going to be easy. It never is. There's one good thing about it. Once we do find the place, it isn't going to be far from the killer or the body wouldn't have been moved. There's nothing else for us to see here. Lab man's flying in from Austin. Might find something when the medical examiner does an autopsy. Uh, I'll have to stay here a while. Men who directed you here bring in pack animals to take the body into town. There's no sense in both of us staying. I'll get started. Hey, you know where Morales lived? Yeah, shack near the cotton fields on the north rim of Nick Hubbard's farm. Yeah. Thanks, Sheriff. Uh, don't suppose you know if Morales was having trouble with anybody? Uh, not that I know of, Jace. I reckon his family might know something, though. Or maybe the Hubbards. I'll see them both. Meet you in town when I'm finished. Okay, Jace. Get around, Charlie. Up, boy. Come on, let's go. I got back to my car, loaded charcoal into the horse trailer, and drove to the Hubbard farm. Hubbard wasn't there, but his wife was out back scrubbing clothes. She was trembling and kept wetting her lips as she spoke to me, and I could see that she'd been crying. Yes. We... We heard about it maybe an hour ago. Somebody called on the party line to tell my husband. Where's your husband now, Mrs. Hubbard? He, he drove out to the Morales shack to tell Mrs. Morales and see if maybe there wasn't something he could do for her and the kids. Morales worked chairs for us, you know. And so the sheriff told me. I, I don't know what, what his woman will do now. How far is the shack Morales lived in? A little over a mile. Our place goes back quite a ways. Landing too good. We got a lot of it. Morales ever come here to your house, I mean? Only when he had some business with Nick, my husband. When was the last time? I I don't rightly know, Ranger. Like I said, he'd come to see Nick. He'd probably be around when he came, though. When was the last time you saw him? I can't say for sure. I'm too upset to think. Oh, there comes Nick now. There's his car coming across the field. Good. Maybe he'll know something. I'd like to know if Morales was here the night before last. Nick will know for sure. He'll tell you. Howdy, Ranger. Howdy. Saw your car here as I was coming across. Mighty slick looking here. Puts my old bus to shame. Nick, the Ranger wants to know some things about... Morales. Well, I could figure that for myself, men. What else would he want to know about? Yeah, I just left his widow. This thing's hit her kind of hard. Sure feel sorry for him and them kids. I know. Of course, men and me will do anything we can to help them. I told her they could stay out of the shack, men. And that we wasn't fixing to charge him no rent nor nothing. Poor woman. 
Come in. Hold on to yourself. Your wife can't help how she feels, Mr. Hubbard. There's just a couple of things I want to know. When did you see Morales last? Your wife couldn't remember. Well, you sure are broken up, men. You ought to remember. Morales is here night before last. I, I wasn't sure, Nick. Night before last, huh? What time? What? Just after we finished supper, 8 o'clock, maybe. The same night he was killed. What? You mean he's been dead that long? Judging by the appearance of the body, yes. We'll know for sure when the medical examiner gets finished with him, but why are you so surprised? Well, I mean, he was only found a little while ago. He's been missing since the night before last, though. His wife reported that to the sheriff's office yesterday. You knew that, didn't you? Well, sure I knew it, but, uh... Well, I figured he was off on a toot, celebrating with that roll of money. What roll of money? Money I paid him for working shares on a cotton. Is that when you paid him? When he was here night before last? Sure, handed him $550. That's why I'm surprised men didn't remember him stopping by. Why, you remember, men. You was there when I handed him the cash and he made his X on that receipt I wrote out. I wasn't sure of the night. So he had $550 cash on him. Now I can see a reason for his being murdered. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's the matter? What? Something Mrs. Morales told me just a while ago when I was over there. About a field hand who dropped in the night Morales disappeared. He wanted to borrow some money. Waited around for him, but when he didn't come, the fellow said he'd walk down toward my place here and see if he couldn't meet Morales on the way. She mentioned the field hand's name? Uh, can't remember. Uh, Shorty, I think. Shorty something. Anybody show up here that night looking for Morales? No, not while he was here, not after he left. Wasn't nobody, was there, man? No. Must have met Morales away from here then, Ranger. Hmm? Maybe the man you're after. Sure looks mighty possible, Hubbard. I'm going to see Mr. Morales and find out who that man was. You want to point out the way? Do better than that, Ranger. I'll ride out with you. Fine, let's go. Goodbye, Miss Hubbard. Bye, man. Back later. Bye. Sure is a smooth car you got here, Ranger. I won't get me a new car soon. Oh, she sure do hum, don't she? Yeah. Am I heading right? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Straight across the field and follow that fence line. Sure is a shame about Morales. But uh, I reckon you ain't gonna have much work once this woman tells you who that fellow was. The shorty. Yeah, it looks like he had a motive, all right. Sounds like the killer to me. I hope you get him, Ranger. Morales is a mighty fine Mexican. Mighty fine. Hate to see anybody get away with killing him. Man, this is a fine car, ain't it? <laughs> Listen to her purr. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. But first, here is an important announcement. Next Sunday, over most of these same NBC stations, you will hear Tales of the Texas Rangers at a new and earlier time. Yes, beginning next Sunday, listen one hour and a half earlier for this program. This new earlier time will bring you Tales of the Texas Rangers immediately following the Phil Harris Alice Faye show and right before Theater Guild on the air. Remember, next Sunday, tune in one hour and a half earlier for Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae and tonight's case paid in full, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. (laughs) 
Stella's shack was threadbare, but scrubbed clean like the two wide-eyed kids who clung to their mother's skirts. There was heartbreak in her eyes. She kept it smothered for the sake of her children until she sent them outside so we could talk. Go! Go! Play in the back. Papito, help Rosa on her door. I... I try not to cry when they are near me. Uh, take it easy, Mrs. Morales. Easy? What is easy? Life is hard for me, for them. And now they have no father to help me. Now, now, everything's going to be all right. I, I told you you can stay on here rent-free and everything. We didn't want to stay here. We were going to move away and get a little place of our own for the new baby that's going to come. As soon as you gave Jose his money, why do you make him wait so long? Well, I... For three days, every day he asked you for his share. And you keep saying you don't give the check yet. But you did. What is this, Hubbard? Well, it's just a little misunderstanding, Ranger. I can explain it. I, I didn't want to give Jose the money. I wanted to give it to Mrs. Morales here. I asked him to bring her down to the house and collect it. Why? Why, for her sake and the sake of the kids. You know how some sharecroppers are. I might have taken all that dough and blown it in on a tequila binge. Jose would not spend our money that way. He was a good husband. Well, I got no way of being sure of that. I was just trying to look out for you and your youngsters. Is that a crime? No, but while you were being so considerate, you could have driven out here with the money instead of expecting this woman to walk to your place to get it. Mrs. Morales. Mr. Hubbard says you told him about somebody coming here to borrow money from your husband the night he didn't come home. See, a man who worked with Jose someplace once before, two years ago. They call him Shorty. Shorty Davis. You tell him your husband had gone down to Hubbard's place? See. Then he said he would not wait anymore. He would walk down and try to meet Jose. Then he went away. That's all. You see, it's just like I told you, Ranger. Probably met Jose, talked him into going to town when he found out he had the money. Then he murdered him when he got him off on that shortcut trail. My poor husband. Now, don't you worry. They'll get that shorty fella. We haven't got him yet, Hubbard. A couple of things don't fit. Mrs. Morales, did Shorty Davis have a shotgun with him when he came by? No. Probably had the whole thing planned in advance, Ranger. Had the gun stashed away on the shortcut. It still doesn't add up, Hubbard. Why not? Because Morales wasn't killed on the shortcut. He was killed someplace else and taken out there. How do you know that? Because there'd be certain signs at the scene of the murder that weren't around where the body was found. You mean like blood on the ground? Things like that? Yeah, things like that. So, uh... Shorty must have killed him someplace else. Somebody did. We'll pick Shorty up and see what he's got to say. Goodbye, Miss Morales. Goodbye. Come on, Hubbard. I'll drive you home. When I got back to the sheriff's office, it was late afternoon, and the medical examiner and our lab man had finished. The sheriff had a complete report. Hoping this speech to your approval. Oh, the report's right there on my desk, Jason, that top folder. Thanks, Sheriff. You were trying to, uh, I'll sign it later, brother. Anything special in this lab report? Yeah, a few things. Yeah, let me show you. Look here. Shot followed a downward path, indicating that the gun was fired from above and behind the victim. Pattern of shot spread, a number of pellets striking target from normal number of pellets in regulation 12-gauge shell... Further indicates that shot came from approximately 20 yards behind victim with gun muzzle at high level. That's pretty interesting, isn't it, Jace? Plenty interesting. Means that Morales must have been shot by somebody who was standing on something above the ground level, or maybe somebody mounted. Mm, That's the way it shapes up. You know anything about a field hand named Shorty Davis? Yeah, been around here for quite some time. You know where to find him? He doesn't live anyplace regular, just grubs around. 
Got hurt in an accident before the cotton season and never had a chance to put any money by. I reckon he's mighty hard up. Why do you want him? Tell you why we're looking. Let's find him. We combed the town until midnight, but there was no sign of Shorty Davis. I called my headquarters and with the sheriff supplying a description, put out a statewide pickup. It was just after dawn when it paid off. Shorty Davis was picked up by the highway patrol less than 50 miles away. They brought him back to us. All right, Shorty. Sit down over there. Mr. Sheriff, what for those men bring me back here? I ain't done nothing. If you haven't, you'll be taken back to where you were picked up. Meanwhile, where were you going? Just heading for El Paso to see my folks, Mr. Ranger. Kind of sudden decision, Shorty. You've been hanging around here for months. I couldn't go before, sir. I was waiting to get me some money. You mean you've got money now? Why, yes, sir. Where'd you get it, Shorty? What, what? From my accident. You remember the accident I had, sir, when Mr. Hoxie Wilson hit me with his automobile? Well, the lawyer man, Mr. Corby, he got me some settlement money for getting hit. Is that the truth, Shorty? Won't take long to find out if it isn't. I wouldn't lie to you at all, sir. You could ask Mr. Hoxie Wilson. You better call him and check, Sheriff. Well, I sure will. I'll bring him. Give me Hoxie Wilson's place. Yeah, Hoxie Wilson. Mr. Ranger, where did the sheriff think I got the money? You'll find out later, Shorty. How much have you got? Well, uh, I had $100. Just spent a couple for eating yesterday. Hello, Hoxie. When did you leave town? Yesterday morning. Fine, what time? Early, right after the bank opened and Mr. Hoxie got me the money. Then you didn't know that Jose Morales was found dead yesterday morning? Dead? Murdered. He was murdered the night you stopped by his shack to see him. I never did see him that night. But you did stop by the shack. Yes, sir, but he wasn't home. His wife tell you that, sir. Story about the money is okay, Jace. Sir, I ain't telling you no stories. I'm telling you the truth. Well, just keep on telling it. Go ahead, Jace. I've been listening with one ear. Mrs. Morales told you where her husband was, didn't she? She said he was at Hubbard Farm, that's all. And didn't you leave the shack saying you'd go down to the farm and meet him? Yes, sir. I wanted to get the lender some money from Jose. He knew me. We worked together once. He loaned me before, and I always paid him back. We ain't asking about your credit rating, Shorty. What we want to know is what happened after you met Morales. I never did meet him. Wasn't nobody at Mr. Hubbard's place. The Hubbards weren't there? No, sir. I knocked hard on the back door, and there wasn't nobody there at all. Now, you've been mighty sure what you were saying, Shorty. I am sure, Mr. Sheriff. That old house was just plain empty. Jose wasn't there. I thought maybe he'd come back, or maybe he hadn't been there yet. So I went over in the field and sat me down on the stump and waited. Then Mr. Hubbard and his wife, they drove up real slow. Had a couple of horses hitched to the back of the car. Horses? Yes, sir. What kind of story are you trying to invent? I ain't inventing nothing, Mr. Sheriff. That's gospel. Didn't Hubbard see you? No, sir. Like I said, I was in the field, sitting by a stump. Didn't you let him know you were there? No, sir. It was Morales I come to meet, and he wasn't with him. I didn't want Mr. Hubbard raising the fuss with me and asking me what I was doing around his property at night. No, sir. That man, he mean. Jeez. Hubbard wouldn't be towing horses around at night without a reason. The only reason I can think of is for packing something to a place he couldn't get to in his car. You mean like packing Morales' body up that shortcut trail? That's right. But why'd they kill him? Because Hubbard was lying about paying Morales his share in that cotton crop. He acted mighty funny when it came out he'd stalled about paying... Shorty? Yes, sir? I want you to repeat your story and we'll type it. Yes. Take your statement. Statement. Yes. After that, Sheriff, we're going out and have a good look at Hubbard's farm. A darn good look. I... Excuse me a minute. 
Speaking. How did it happen? I see. Count on me for whatever cost. Sheriff, what's the matter? That was Doc Barker. Mrs. Morales come into the funeral parlor to see her husband. She fainted and fell. Jay's, she lost her baby. We headed for Hubbard's farm, but we parked off the road about a half mile away and cut across the fields on foot, hoping we could check around outside the house without being spotted. We were in the cover of some trees, and we saw Mrs. Hubbard come from the back of the house carrying a wash tub. What the devil is she doing with that wash tub, Jase? I don't know. Don't let her see you. Hey, she's dumping it by the brush. Yeah. Why didn't she dump it in back? Never saw a woman carry a laundry tub around to the front of the house to dump it. Unless she was growing something. A lot more than one tub full has been dumped in that spot. Look at that ground. It's soaked. Come on. Going to let her see us? I want to find out what she's doing. Hubbard isn't around. The garage shed is open and the car isn't there. Just a minute, Miss Hubbard. Oh, it's you, Ranger. And the sheriff. That's a funny place you picked to empty a laundry tub, ma'am. Well, I... The ground seemed kind of dry. It's dry all around here. Except for this one spot by the brush. Quite a lot of water's been dumped here. Much more than you had in that tub. Take a look around, Sheriff. Well, what are you looking for? Maybe a couple of blood stains dried into the ground. Now, if there was anything here, Jace, we're too late now. Mud's an inch thick, clear to the base of this brush. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but there's one thing that's still here. Take a look, Sheriff. What is it? The leaves on this brush. Holes ripped through some of the leaves, just the way they'd be if a shotgun charge came through. They've been some, some bugs. Bugs never made these holes, ma'am. Sheriff, look at the porch of the house. How far away did you say it was? Well, maybe 18, 20 yards. What make... Hey, the lab report said the shot was fired from approximately 20 yards. With a muzzle level above the victim, and that porch is the only elevated spot it could have come from. Hubbard must have fired from there. That ain't so. Nick didn't kill Morales. He didn't. He did, and you know it. When I asked you when you'd seen Morales last, you kept stalling your answer until your husband came. He's committed two murders, if the truth is known, men, because Mrs. Morales just lost the baby she was carrying. Oh, no, no. Nick is your husband, men, but lying for somebody like him ain't right before earth or heaven. You know it. I told him not to do it. I begged him to pay Morales, but he was greedy, greedy. He... He took a shotgun and... Where is the gun, ma'am? In the house. I'll show you. I can't go on with this no more. All last night was dumping water out there by the brush where Morales fell. Something you said yesterday about bloodstains scared him. It scared me, too. That's why I brought the laundry water out there. I couldn't stop thinking about it. There's the gun. There in the corner. Maybe I ain't a fit wife. Maybe I shouldn't have told you, but I feel better about it now. I feel better. Some night, maybe I'll sleep again if I live to be old enough. Where's your husband now, Mrs. Hubbard? I don't know. He left this morning before sunup to drive to Center City. Said he'd be back before noon. I guess we'll just sit and wait then, if you don't mind. Hey, wait a minute, Sheriff. Car coming up the drive now. Take a look out through those curtains. That ain't Nick's car. That, that one's brand spanking new. That's Nick in it, though. So that's what he went to send the city for. She's right, Sheriff. That man really loves new cars. Yeah, stand back from the window. Let him come in. 
Amen. Come give your eyes a treat. Howdy, Hubbard. Yeah. Howdy, Sheriff. Ranger. And why are you looking at me like that? I told him, Nick. I told him everything. I told him how you cheated Morales, how you shot him in the back. Shut up! Shut your crazy mouth! No, you don't. Don't try that again. Now get up. Mrs. Morales lost her baby, Nick. Ain't you proud of that? Well, you was buying your new car. She was losing her baby. Oh, man, don't say any more. Please, man. You got a new car, didn't you, Nick? <laughs> you know where you're going to drive in it, don't you, Nick? You know where. Take care of her, Sheriff. I'll take him. Right, jeez. Come on, Nick. Let's go. At his trial, Nick Hubbard broke down and confessed to the murder of Jose Morales. He was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of his life. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Virginia Gregg, Whitfield Connor, Ed Begley, and Jester Hairston. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keats. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Remember, next Sunday over most of these same NBC stations, listen one hour and a half earlier for Tales of the Texas Rangers. NBC. Enjoy the very best in radio. Be sure that you dial and write. Seems like the very best in radio. Morning, noon, and night is from this station. Morning, noon, and night, NBC. Phil Baker invites you to join the $64 question next on NBC. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The National Broadcasting Company presents... Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. 
and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on facts. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Square Dance. It is 9.50 p.m. Saturday night, October 14, 1949. There is a square dance in progress at the fun spot, a barn-like dance hall on the outskirts of Bankerville in West Texas. Mrs. Mort Rogers, a rancher's wife, is seated in a corner, waiting for her husband to return with some soda pop. She looks up as a stranger approaches. Well, looks like I found me a pretty little wallflower. How come you ain't dancing, man? Reckon I'm a little out of breath from the last one. My husband went to fetch me some soda pop. Good. While he's fetching it, you and me can dance. Not a couple needing that square over there. Come on. No, uh, no, thank you. But I, I'd rather wait for him. Oh, you're just going to waste sitting there. Come on. Oh, please, I, I'd rather not. Oh, I ain't the kind of a man who takes no for an answer, especially from a pretty gal. I told you I don't want to dance with you. It's on my oh. arm, please. Come on. Yeah, what's going on here? What's the matter, Harry? Oh, Ma, I was waiting for you. And, and I just happened by and asked her for a dance, that's all. And left finger marks all over her arm. Looks like you asked pretty rough. Ain't no harm done. You gonna get hard about it? Take these pop bottles, Harry. What those? I said take them. Now, you want to repeat that question? Uh, place is probably full of friends of yours. I don't know anybody around here. I, I just happen in. Why don't you just happen out? Before you get in trouble. Go ahead, beat it. All right. Maybe I'll meet you alone sometime. And it's time you want to try... No, more, please. Let him go. I'm all right. Well, there seems to be somebody like that. Wandering in where people are having fun. Forget about him. He went out. Drink your pot. Look at you, honey. You're shaking. Not from him. It's a little chilly in here now. That's all. Where's that little jacket you brought? I left it out in the car. I'll go fetch it for you. Oh, ain't that cold, more? Oh, no, no. Just turn them blue as well. <laughs> all right. Would you mind getting it for me? Oh, I said I would, didn't I? Any more strangers ask you to dance, hit them with that pop bottle. <laughs> I'll be all right. Jack is in the back seat. All right, I'll find him. Well, look who's here. Well, it's you, huh? What you doing hanging around these cars? Thought I told you to get lost. Better watch your tongue. You ain't surrounded by friends now. I figured you'd follow me out. I didn't follow you out. I come out to get my wife's jacket. And as for friends, mister, I don't need any to handle the likes of you. I want you to get while the getting's good. Too bad your wife didn't come out to get her own jacket. Yeah, she's kind of cute. Shut up. Right yeah, now. If I would have asked her to dance if she hadn't given me the eye. Why, you? Uh, come on, get up. Get up and fight. Or get up and run. I'll fight. 
We'll fight my way with this. I might have known someone like you carry a knife. You're going to know it. Good. Just once more for good measure. Guess your wife ain't going to be so particular who she dances with from now on. Rogers failed to return to the dance. His wife came out to look for him. Her screams as she found the body brought dancers streaming from the hall. Somebody summoned the sheriff, and he in turn called for the help of a Texas ranger. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. He arrived at the parking lot outside the fun spot shortly after midnight. Howdy, Sheriff. Well, howdy, Jace. I'm glad you were close by. Here's the body. Uh-huh. Radio was buzzing with calls as I drove in. KTXA's ordering roadblocks set up on every highway near here for 100 miles. Yeah, I know. I phoned in a description of a stranger who was at the dance tonight. Yeah, I heard it. Let's hope they can pick him up. Well, they'd have got him sure if I'd had the description earlier, but it took almost an hour to get Miss Rogers so she could talk. Is she the dead man's wife? Yeah. Saw the whole thing then, huh? No. No, she was inside when it happened. Come out and... Found the body. Well, then why the pickup for the stranger in particular? Rogers have trouble with him? Just words. Nothing anybody saw. It tried to force Miss Rogers to dance with him, the way she tells it. Rogers come along, saw what was going on, and ordered the fella out. Whole thing happened less than two hours ago. Well, killer can't be too far away, then. Yeah, far enough. Yeah, but if the roadblocks don't pick him up, we'll know he's either living or hiding within a two-hour ride from here. Could be a hundred yards away or a hundred miles away. Even then, he might not be the one. Over 60 couple at the dance tonight. Any one of them could have stepped outside. I haven't let a car pull out since I got here. Good. You shake everybody down? Yeah, didn't find anything on anybody, though. Deputy has two knives and a gun that were ditched under benches when he started searching. Knives clean? As far as I could tell. I'll send them through to Austin, make sure. If there's any blood left on one of them, the lab will find it. Yeah. We're not going to have to wait for that, though. Not if the killer's still around. Why? This wound on Roger's throat cut the juggler. See how the blood spurted out. Killer couldn't miss getting some of that blood on his clothes. You check for that on the shakedown? Just their hands, Jake. You better line them up again inside. Blood's had time to dry. Killer may have had a chance to try and wash it out, but we'll have to check every suspicious-looking stain. Well, I got the names and addresses of everybody in the place. Good. You can use that as a checklist. Make sure nobody's taken a run out since you got here. Deputy's been stationed all around. All doors have been locked, except this one leading out to the parking lot. I had to let folks out here, because some of them have got babies sleeping in their cars. I understand. Well, let's get them in. Right. All right, inside again, folks. Everybody inside. Joe, Charlie Higgins, don't let any stragglers hang back. Keep them moving. Hey, you better send one of your deputies into town. Dig up some clothes from the jail or someplace. If you find any suspicious stains, a few of these people mightn't have anything to wear home. The sheriff's list checked out 100%. Nobody'd run. A couple of cop folks had stains on their shirts and jeans. We took their clothes and sent them through to Austin for analysis. Next morning, I got my report. A long-distance call from my chief, Captain Stinson. Austin Lamb just finished with the stuff you sent through, Jace. Both knives were clean. 
I see. How about the clothing, Captain? Well, there was human blood in one of the shirts. A small stain. According to your report, the cowpoke you got it from said he'd cut himself and got a little blood on it. Lab says the bloodstain is type O. Type O, huh? That's right. Well, he's not our boy, then. Medical examiner did an autopsy on Rogers during the night. Rogers' blood was A.B. Everything keeps pointing to the stranger who got away. You think Mrs. Rogers gave a good description? I think so. She gave me the same rundown she gave the sheriff. Claims she'll never forget what he looked like. You think she'd recognize a photo of him if she saw him? I'm sure she would. Good. The boys at Austin are going through the gallery pulling shots of all known criminals who fit that description. Especially the ones who are too free with a knife. I'll bring the photos down myself. Let Mrs. Rogers go over them. While I'm waiting, I think I'll have a look through the ranch area around here. All we know about the man we're after is that he got away. We don't know whether he was in a car or on foot or mounted. Few cowpokes did come into the dance on horses. I see. Fellow we're looking for might be a new hand just drifted into the territory. I got charcoal in my horse trailer. Sheriff's getting his mount. It'll keep us busy until you get here, unless you have another idea. No, Jase, you go ahead. I'll see you tonight. Right. Bye, Captain. Bye, Jase. Ready, Sheriff? If you are, my mount's all saddled. Now get charcoal out of the trailer. Let's go. We rode from ranch to ranch, taking shortcuts through the gullies and arroyos, working through the good grazing as well as the badlands, riding close to get a good look at cowpokes working the range wherever we spotted them. We're on Blue Baker's land now. Be able to see the ranch house when we reach the end of these trees. How many hands he got on the place? Three. And they've been around for quite a spell. Unless he took on a new one. Brubaker. That seems to me his name was on the list of folks who were at the dance. Yeah, he was there with his wife. Well, then he was asked if he'd noticed the stranger. Asked everybody that. If anybody by that description was working for him, he'd spoke up. Well, I thought we might talk to his hands. Even if they weren't at the dance, they might have noticed a stranger around someplace. Possible. Worth a try. Yeah. Hey, there's Brubaker now, climbing into his tractor, there with the tool shed. Hey, Brubaker! He sees us. Howdy, Sheriff. Ranger. Yeah, oh, boy. Oh, oh, oh Charlie. Oh. 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 Well, howdy. Howdy. Glad to see you, Sheriff. Matter of fact, I've been thinking of phoning you. You got some information on the Rogers case? Well, no. It's something I guess I shouldn't even be bothering you with right now. Just wanted to put in a little complaint. What kind of complaint, Brubaker? Well, sir, just before the dance last night, the missus and me did some shopping in town. Matter of fact, going to the dance was an afterthought. Just decided to drop in when we was driving home and pass the fun spot. Mm -hmm. Well, sir, like I said, I hate to bother you about it, but uh, a couple of things was stolen out of my pickup. While we was at the dance. New bridle I'd bought in town and a new pair of wire clippers. Are you sure those things were taken while you were at the dance? Well, they couldn't have been taken anyplace else. They were the last things we bought before we went to the dance. Put them on the shelf behind the cab seat. Could be something to this, Jake. You sure could. Anybody stealing things from a car wouldn't be doing it while you and your deputies were all over the place. And we were there till after everybody had cleared out. Mm. Stuff must have been taken out of Brubaker's pickup before Rogers was killed. Say, as a matter of fact, Rogers might have surprised somebody going through the cars. I wouldn't rule out the stranger we're looking for. He left the dance hall before Rogers went outside. Bridle and wire clippers wouldn't be easy to trace. I wonder if he might have taken something else. Well, I haven't had any other complaints. People don't always complain. 
Thanks, Brubaker. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get back to town. Sure. So long. So long. Get up, Charlie. Come on. Now, well, let's go. You planning to check over that dance list again? We'll call every name on it. See if anything else was taken from that parking lot. Up, Charlie. Come on, boy. Let's go. Yeah. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Tonight, over most of these NBC stations, Theater Guild on the Air will feature Raymond Massey and Shirley Booth in Ethan Frome. Mr. Massey also starred in the play's original production in 1936, while Miss Booth is well known for her dramatic performances on radio and the Broadway stage. Remember to hear them on the Theater Guild on the Air presentation of Ethan Frome tonight. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and tonight's case, Square Dance, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. The sheriff and his deputies started a phone check of people who'd been at the dance, asking them to list missing articles. Meanwhile, Captain Stinson drove in with the gallery shots of possible suspects. We took them over to the funeral home to see if Mrs. Rogers could identify the stranger who'd quarreled with her husband. Captain showed them to her, one by one. Now, how about this one, Mrs. Rogers? No. Well, this is the last one. No. That's not him either. Yes, that does it, Jace. The man we're after isn't a known criminal. Not in this state, anyhow. Can I... Can I go back to my husband now? I, I want to be near him until they have... Sure, ma'am. Go ahead. We wasn't even married a year. Six months when I had our first anniversary. I might as well get back to the sheriff's office, Captain. Yeah. Young bride like that. A nice future the killer left her. We gotta get him. I'll stay on until hey, I... Hey, Captain! Well, there's the sheriff now. Looks like we've hit something on that phone check, Jace. Deputy just got a call from Perny Richards. Not the old man, but Perny Jr. Something missing from his car? Yeah. Ladies, Hamilton wristwatch. Perny bought it for his gal's birthday. Left it in the glove compartment of the car. Was fixing to surprise her with it today. Hey, yeah, that's going to help, Jace. Plenty. New purchase like that, the jeweler will have a record of the serial number on the watch. Killer might try to sell it or pawn it someplace. He might just give it to some gal. I don't think so. Man we're after doesn't sound like he'd have a gal of his own. Come on. Let's get a rundown on that watch. We got the serial number and put out a bulletin to jewelers and pawn shops, all the logical places where a man might dispose of a watch. Because it was Sunday, we had a break. The bulletins would be on file before the killer had a chance to unload. Meanwhile, Captain Stinson was in phone contact with Austin, digging up another angle. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Well, thanks. No, not necessarily. Mightn't mean anything, but it can't hurt us. I'll call you later if I need anything else. Right. Goodbye. I have anything? A little. I asked them to check open files, unsolved cases of petty theft. 
Especially things taken from cars in dance hall parking lots. There must be plenty of cases like that. The same man wouldn't be responsible for all of them. No, but a couple of cases follow a pattern, Jace. I've written them down. Now, look here. Portable radio stolen from a car a week before last, outside of Elderton. Roadhouse there was having a square dance. And here's a constable's report. Same night, same place. Man answering the description of our stranger got in a beef. He pulled a knife on a fella. Didn't get a chance to use it, though. And ran before the law could get there. Hey, that's good. Now, here's another one. Also a square dance. South of here at Pa's Crossing. Happened a month ago. Manager at the dance hall ordered some fella out for bothering a woman. Again, the same description. Fella went outside and threw a rock through a window and got away. Cars had been looted. That's our boy, all right. Yeah, but we still don't know who he is. Uh, something we do know, though. Look at this county map. He's been here in Bankerville, west of here in Elderton, and south of here at Parr's Crossing, all within a month. Yeah, that's right. Means he must be living in this area or hanging around at some place. Draw a circle around the three spots he's been seen at. Gives us a radius of about 40 miles in any direction. And that fits, because he wasn't picked up in the roadblocks. I don't know, Jace. He's been a stranger in all three places. And they're the only towns around here. Most of the area in the middle of your circle is hill country and badlands. And not many ranches he might be working on. No, but there's a lot of prospecting going on in those badlands, Captain. Big new kick. Not gold or silver anymore. Uranium. Hmm. Hey, not many people would see a prospector. Not unless he had a habit of wandering into some town on a Saturday night with a yen for square dancing. All right, Jace, I'll buy it. What's your move? Thought the sheriff and I might do a little prospecting, too. <laughs> Uranium? No. A man with a knife. <laughs> Sheriff put in with me. Next morning, we loaded his horse into my trailer with charcoal and headed into the Badlands. The old settlement's up ahead. We can leave the car at Red Miller's store. I thought the settlement was deserted. Well, it was for a few years, but Miller opened up again because of this prospecting thing. Reckon they give him enough trade to keep going. It's either they buy from him or take a car trip every time they have to lay in supplies. I never thought of that. Miller may have seen our man. Possible. Coming into the settlement now. Ghost town. Where's the store? Long Dolby building just ahead. A lot of cars parked under a shed just behind it. I, I see it. Well, I hope he's got some soft drinks and a way of keeping them cold. This sun's a scorcher. Well, we'll be able to wet your whistle in a minute. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Hardly think Miller could make a living here. Well, there's just him and his old lady. I reckon they don't need much to get by. Looks like we'll be his only customers. Hello? Anybody here? Oh, well, howdy. Howdy, Miss Miller. Uh, this here is Ranger Jace Pearson. Howdy, ma'am. Uh, where's uh, Reb, Miss Miller? Oh, now he's just plain gonna die because he missed you, Sheriff. But he drove up to Elgin to see the doc. She's back again. Oh, that's too bad. But he'll be back for supper if you can stay. We might have to. Depends on whether or not you can help us. Somebody here can help us, all right. What is it, Jace? Take a look in this showcase. Well, I'll be...
I'd called his attention to something that stood out like a sore thumb. The store was run down and shelves barely stocked with necessities. But there before our eyes, in the dirty showcase with cracks running through the glass, was a brand new Hamilton wristwatch. Reb is stocking some mighty fancy merchandise, ain't he, Ms. Miller? You mean that watch? You want to buy it? All we want to know is where you got it. Well, Red took it in trade from a fellow who run a bill here. What's his name? Why, Carp's his last name. Don't know his first one. That, uh, that watch ain't stolen, is it? We can tell you that in a minute. Get it out of the case, Sheriff. Right. You remember the serial number? Yeah, I got it written down in my book. Pry the back cover off. Yeah. Fingernails won't do it. I'll have to find something. When did this carp bring the watch in, ma'am? Yesterday. Sunday. Reb's always trusting people, you know. Carp owed him more than twenty dollars. Instead of cash, you give Reb the watch and a pair of wire clippers. Wire clippers? You hear that, Sheriff? I sure did. I'll have this watch case open in a minute. Oh, I told Reb not to trust nobody. Reckon Carp wouldn't even trade here if he had cash. Couldn't give Reb no money. Oh, no, but when he come back yesterday, he had a new bridle for his horse. Reckon he had to pay cash for that someplace. You're reckoning wrong, Mrs. Miller. He got that bridle the same way he got the watch and wire clippers. Yeah, that does it. Here's the number, Jace. H-427-991. H-427-991. That's it, all right. Pops our boy. Where is he? Well, he's out in the hills, I reckon. He saddled up and rode off after he brought our car back yesterday. He had your car? All Saturday night, Sheriff. You know, Reb. He'll lend anything to anybody. That's why we ain't got nothing ourselves. Carp never even paid him for the gas he used up. Then he had the nerve to borrow his shirt and jeans while he used my tub to scrub out his old clothes. And what a scarce as it is. Don't need two guesses what he was scrubbing for, Sheriff. You can say that again. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get the horses and move. Well, look here. Don't you want to know what he looks like? Thanks, ma'am. But that's something we already know. It was rough going through the Badlands, and the territory we had to cover was big. We met prospectors here and there, but not carp. At the end of our second day, the trail led to rocky ground, thinning out in spots and disappearing in others. We kept going until the sun dipped under the rim and darkness came fast. Oh, I can't see anything, Jace. If the tracks were heavier, we could keep going, but the ground's too hard. I can't pick up marks like that by flashlight. I know. Better find a campsite and rustle some grub. You can do the eating. All I want is a place to rest my bones. We'll find a spot when we get on level ground. Up, Charge. Come on, up, boy. Sheriff. Yeah? Looks like somebody solved our camp problem for us. Over there at the right. Sparks. Fire behind those rocks. Circle around. Cart, maybe. Could be. It's a cinch at somebody. Let's ride for it. Up, boy. Come on. Come on. Come on. See the fire now, Jace. Man getting up. He can't see us yet. Here's us coming. Looks like a big fella. Carp is big. This is Roger said, about 6'3. His horse is there, Jace. He's moving over toward it. He'll be able to see us in a minute. Drift away from me. Leave a little distance between us. All right. Get over, boy. That's good. Seems to be waiting. Yeah. Don't go all the way in mounted. Pull up and we'll walk to him. Whoa, whoa, oh, Shark. Oh, oh, boy. Oh. 
keep the same distance. Who's that out there? We're looking for somebody. Who? I'll tell you in a minute. Keep your eyes open, Sheriff. Maybe you better tell me now. A fellow named Carp. Is that you? What do you want to see Carp about? It's kind of a personal matter. Unless you're Carp. Hold it, Sheriff. Oh, oh, John. Oh, oh. You fellas better get mounted and ride off. I don't like anybody sneaking around me at night. And I don't like getting mounted and riding away from a fire. Makes my back too good a target. See you? You look like a Texas Ranger. You got good eyes. And I'm a sheriff, Clark. So don't try anything funny. Put that rifle down and let's have a talk. What do you want? What do you want to see me about? I want to invite you to a square dance. You... Hit the dirt, Sheriff. He dropped down. Go behind the fire, Jason. Can't see him. Can't see us either. Must be close behind that fire. Shoot into it. Chip sparks off that heavy log that's burning. Might be able to shower him with a big hot foot. Say when. Let go. That did it, Jason's up. Drop your gun, Carp. I did it. You hit it, Jason. There he is. And there's his gun on the ground. Gun stock split. That's what I hit, not him. Shock knocked him out. Yeah. Just the same. He's out cold. And while he's laying here, I might just as well get these cuffs on his hands. Look out, Sheriff! Cut your heart out! Drop that knife! Let it go! Oh, my arm! Thank you, Jason. He almost planted that in my ribs. Yeah, it's something he won't try again. Come on, Carp. Get up. Save your story for the jury, Carp. Maybe you can tell him how to be a big hit at a square dance. Come on, get moving. Randolph Carp was tried and convicted for the murder of rancher Mort Rogers. The final piece of evidence against Carp was a bloody fingerprint on the steering column of the car he had borrowed from storekeeper Reb Miller. It was Carp's right thumbprint, and the blood specimen matched the type of the slain man. Carp was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for a term of 99 years. Now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. A famous Texas ranger was once asked what he considered the most important quality in a ranger. Well, he pondered, I liken a good ranger to that broad-brimmed hat of mine hanging over there on that old steer horn. It's made of some sort of fabric that holds up. It takes the toughest handling I've ever seen. Must be in the character of the material, I guess, because as old as that hat is, it's never showed a sign of going to pieces. I never did like hats or men that'll come unglued. Good night, folks. See you next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the MGM production Stars in My Crown. 
Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Lou Krugman, Betty Moran, Harley Bear, Byron Kane, Joe Forte, and Jeanette Nolan. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcock, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keats. Hal Gibney speaking. Raymond Massey and Shirley Booth and Theater Guild, next on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.